Ladies and gentlemen, people of all gender expressions, thank you for checking out the North Bank Media Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Strevens. Joining me on the show this afternoon was Jill Hintz, Chief Operating Officer of Lux Du Jour and Lux Bag Rental. So you could see this as somewhat of a follow-up or a companion episode to our previous conversation with Tammy Fan, who was the CEO and founder of Lux Du Jour. And uh, she brought Jill in about a year ago uh, to really start with that scaling up uh, effort to really expand that business of hers. So it's really great to speak with uh, two people uh, who work within the same business uh, who can offer you know different perspectives and different personalities um, and different viewpoints uh, on essentially the same the same uh, subject. So um, you know, Lux Du Jour is a place. Uh, it's an online marketplace where folks can buy, sell consign, rent, and now have serviced uh, their luxury designer handbags. These are a commodity that appreciate in value. You know, they're very highly sought after. And there's a, there's a big niche there. And their 60,000 follower Instagram account would attest to that, no doubt. So, you know, whereas Tammy may be something of a big picture, a visionary uh, with the company, you know, Jill comes in and she's helping build the team. She's finding the right people to put in the right roles. You know, she's overseeing uh, and getting her hands on all aspects of the company. And I was really pleased to get to speak with her about, you know, how do you how do you go about hiring the right person for a role? Uh, how much introspection does a, does a team leader and a manager have to do? Um, and, and what do we expect of the people that we hire? And how do we help them grow? How do we motivate them? And all those sorts of things that I think what this podcast wants to dig in on is, is personality and, and, and getting people on that track where they themselves can grow into their best selves, whether it's as an employee or as an entrepreneur. If you find business interesting, if you find personality interesting, how you can motivate yourself, how you can motivate your team, I think there's some great bites in this episode uh, for for really anybody uh, in the working world. So without too much more blabbing on my part, really enjoyed this one, sort of a a two, you know, the second part of a doubleheader, let's say, my conversation with Lux Jour Chief Operating Officer, Jill Hintz. Thank you for coming on the show. I just spoke with your, I guess, your boss or your partner, Tammy. So this is good to now get the second half of the story. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to to meet you and to be here. Designer bags, huh? Mm-hmm. This is a world that is foreign to me, but I learned a lot in an hour from Tammy. So I guess what I am curious about is the different, what I love is the different sort of streams of revenue you guys have. Yeah. At Lux Du Jour, but I guess you're specifically more in the rental side of things. Is that right? Yeah, I touch every aspect of the business, but um, rental is kind of my my baby. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Well, it's it, to me, it's cool. I mean, it could be bags, it could be watches, it could be anything, but this is the way the economy is going in some ways where, where ownership, mm-hmm. for better or for worse, is, is less and less in some ways and people can have experiences without ownership. Yeah, absolutely. And we we really found that our clients were looking for a way to enjoy luxury hmm. without making that huge leap because right. we do have a lot of bags that that depreciate in value as well over time. I'm right. sure um, Tammy kind of introduced you to the to the um assets that that handbags are. Right. Um can be. And so we we really wanted to make it accessible to everybody. 
Mm-hmm. That's interesting though, because in the past luxury and, and owning these things, it was a status symbol. It was to show that you had a certain, and now people can sort of pretend or they can present themselves as like, I don't, there's no conflict there, but it's interesting, right? Like now everybody, but in that, in some way, does that not devalue the bags in some way that if you can rent them now? Right. So I think in a way it's, it's more about creating a, um, an experience. Um, for instance, if you, if you purchase a a Rolex, you're not buying it to wear a watch, you're buying it because of, or renting it or, or whatnot to, Mm -hmm. to have the experience of being a Rolex owner. Mm -hmm. Um, for for luxury and rentals it's and the pre-loved market in itself it's just creating a a more kind of universal way that people can enjoy something that they've had a passion about their their entire life or or maybe it's a new passion what about luxury men's fanny packs yeah. Is that a thing? And can I yeah. rent one if I want to? Absolutely. Cool? Yeah. We do have, we do have male clients who, who enjoy our services and also, um, you know, purchase from us on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, there are brands that do have men's lines as well. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Hey, I, I, I did an interview with a guy and he had a fanny pack and I thought, well, that's, I mean, and he was wearing it in the, the, you know, the, the tradition. Well, across. Yeah. yeah. Across. That's like, in well, style right now. It's a cool mm-hmm. look. I don't know what's in there. I'm not sure I want to know, but <laughs> well, let's say I am a male and my, my wife, my partner is, is interested. Is there a way, do you, can, can you gift a rental? Can you, can you, something like that? Yeah. So we have gift cards, which, um, you know, make a, make an awesome gift. Um, in terms of, you know, maybe it would be a, a great idea for Valentine's day, for instance, to, mm-hmm. you know, rent your wife a bag to use for the weekend or you okay. know, just, just to, Spice it up a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, you start with the bag and who knows where, where it goes from there. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's really, it's it's a neat idea. I think it had never occurred to me that handbags were the commodity that they are, but they are a status symbol and they are something that appreciates in value too, it sounds like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the rental, um, we're actually the new in Canada. So mm-hmm. there's not really a rental service here yet, except for us. Um, but it's actually quite popular in the States. So something that we were modeling is, is cop- not copying, but using their, um, mm-hmm. their models and, and bringing that here. And then hopefully eventually we can expand into the States as well. well I hope it works. Like Tammy talked about her plans for expansion and she's got some pretty lofty goals as far as one day going public and all that, but I guess, you know, that's what it would require would be to expand that market and and get that big money. I hope it happens for you guys, because I think you've hit on something and I think you're doing it right from what I've heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, we base a lot of our moves on what our clients want, um, which is, I think the best way that you can do, do business, especially in this time is you have to have a a market for it. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, you're, you must have a whole, there's a, it's a wide swath of, of demographics that you cover as depending on what service we're talking about, but how do you, how are you engaging with those clients and building that kind of lifetime value? Yeah. So it depends on, on the clients and the demographic as well. Um, but social media is huge. Um, it's such a huge tool that, that doesn't cost anything. So I always recommend, you know, new business owners get on social media because Mm -hmm. it's, it's data as well. We right. we do polls on Instagram to to find out what bags our our clients actually mm. want to rent, and then we bring those bags in. Mm. Um, and and that's you know it's a survey at the end of the day, right? right. Um, so social media is huge, and we as as the companies grow, so does our social media, 
and and uh, they they reach out all hours of the day <laughs> with um, comments or suggestions or or um, you know appreciation. Mm-hmm. And you have to, I mean, that's it, right? Is like you're building a client base, you're building an audience, you're building like a tribe, an army, whatever community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you can leverage that at the end of the day. It's like sixty thousand people you guys have on Instagram. Was that yeah. about that? Yeah, like, for less than sure. Yeah. That's incredible. That kind mm-hmm. of messaging, that kind of distribution. Yeah, like where where else would you have sixty thousand people in one room to to talk about what you want to talk about? Right? Exactly, maybe a football game in the United States yeah. or something. But <laughs> yeah, yeah sixty thousand people of the right people, right? right? The people that you exactly. want. Exactly. Yeah. So I heard that you were originally hired as an EA and then shot through the ranks to be the COO of, of yeah. Lux. That's, that's a cool story. Yeah. So I, yeah, I started as um, actually Tammy's executive assistant. Um, and then pretty quickly I, I moved up, but it was, it was always propelled as to what the company needed. Okay. So if they needed me in a, um, a product specialist position, then that's where I was going. And and then eventually they needed, they needed me here. And so, yeah, yeah, it was pretty exciting. And, and it's been a whirlwind of a year. Right. Oh, I bet. So when did you start with the company? Um, I started in um, January, late January. Oh, okay. So it's pretty, mm-hmm. okay. Pretty recently. Yeah. What were you looking for in a job at that time that, Obviously not this necessarily. Yeah. So I was really inspired by the people that I was going to be working with. I had come from a position where I loved my um, superiors mm-hmm. and I really wanted to replicate that in my next position. Gotcha. And so I was looking for somebody who could not only be um, my boss, but also a mentor within mm-hmm. business. Nice. And so when I interviewed with Tammy, I... I was honestly just, I really just wanted to get my foot in the company, regardless of where that position was. Gotcha. Um, and if I was, you know, qualified or overqualified or, or however it may have been, mm-hmm. um, I just really wanted to, I loved what Tammy was doing and I really wanted to learn from her. Right. Hmm. Yes. Because when she, when we were talking a bit, she was, she made like, she's big picture CEO, essentially like yeah. it's got the mm-hmm. highest of the high level in the company. But that person sometimes gets bogged down in the day-to-day and in the, you know, what, like I worked at a marketing right. agency once and the CEO was like worried about what credit card the client was using to pay for ads. It's like, yeah. this cannot be your problem. Right. So, right? Yeah. Like, so you, yeah. you fill an important role, almost an equally important role, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely involved in the day-to-day. I mean, we are, um, being the size of company that we are, we, there, everybody has their hands in a little bit of, of everything. Right. Um, just because we're, even just the the location, like our our um, offices are right beside each other, you know? So <laughs> we, we don't necessarily have to um, be on our own when we're solving problems. Nice. But yeah, I'm definitely more on the processes side and the hands-on um, business side. Mm-hmm. Right. And so does that appeal to you? I guess at this time it's, it's where you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, but do you, you don't envy Tammy having to make those big decisions or, or you know what I mean? Like, do you feel like you're in a sweet spot in some ways there? Yeah. I mean, I, because we are such a collaborative environment, um, I also like to surround myself with people who are smarter than me. So mm. people who are um, maybe report to me are still, I think, smarter than me in some areas. And so we are very much a collaborative team and we we value everybody's um, expertise. And so when we're in meetings and we're pitching ideas, that's coming from our executive assistants and our CEO. Mm. Um, there's no There's no position where they don't get a say. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's interesting because there's an art 
to building a team, right? Like you want to put people in positions to succeed and you do want to look at that person and be like, I think you have something that I don't. And that's Absolutely. why you're here, right? Yeah. Why would I, why would I want to hire another me? You know, I, I could just do it. <laughs> true, true. Why would yeah. I want to, yeah. I don't want two of myself in this, yeah. in this place. No I, way. Yeah. I'm enough. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I yeah. have never really been involved in a hiring well, I ran, I ran a job interview once, which I, I don't know why they made me do it, but hiring is, is, is a lot of things, right? But, and Tammy basically mentioned that you guys had some, some, some bad hires over the years or over the year. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Um, we've had, I would, it's tough. I mean, with being a technically, well, not technically, but technically a startup because mm-hmm. we have um, really grown within the last um, year significantly. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of learning curves and there's also a lot of, um, growth and the company changes and the needs of the company change Mm -hmm. from the start to the end. So maybe at that time, that person was what the company needed, but then by the time we are now a year later, um, we've, we've made some adjustments and, and maybe, you know, the, the fast paced startup lifestyle is not for everybody, right? It's a tough game and, and you have to be a certain kind of person to really, see see the end through all of it mm-hmm. so what were you finding then that, that people wanted to just come in they wanted security they wanted a kind of a low intensity position where they could just collect a paycheck kind of thing yeah and i think i think the adaptability that you need within mm-hmm. this job is is something that a lot of people um i guess they would see that as a lack of security because sure. your job i mean if you look at my position it's changed significantly month to month even mm. you know going from an ea to to now where i am right. um and so that took a lot of me um flying not flying by the seat of my pants but feeling that way right like there was always a plan but it does take it takes a certain kind of person to not know what they're doing the next day if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. you got to be able to just well, what is it? Roll with the punches. Roll yeah. with the punches and be willing to take the risk or the leap of faith that it's something's going to happen and we don't know what it is, but. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That was kind of, that was part of what I saw when I, I was contracting for this marketing agency as a, as a video producer and yeah. just seeing, seeing how, I mean, this is one man's crazy vision, essentially. And in some ways it's the same with Tammy. And then to ask people to buy in, but say, well, I don't know really what's going to happen, but I need you to buy yeah. in, right? It's a tough sell. It's a tough sell, but the payoff yeah. is huge, right? Because it's... Of course. If it pays off. Yeah. All the good ideas are the crazy ones, right? You just you just have to find the right person to to hit your wagon to. <laughs> That's right. So you feel, you feel you've done that yourself? Oh, yeah. I admire so many things about Tammy and, and um, actually everybody that I work with. Um, I, I like to think of myself as almost like a sponge, you know, Mm. I'm just taking, taking what I can from every single person and, and making myself better for them as well. Yeah. That's, Mm -hmm. that's a great way to look at it. And you're in a leadership position too, right? You'd say, obviously, what, is there kind of like a certain things that you hammer on these people to, to just stay engaged with them or, or what is it that because leadership's a tough one, right? And that was a bad question, but I guess leadership's tough and everybody has a style, but I think leading by example maybe is a move. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, instead of, there's a difference between inspiration and motivation, right? Um, Inspiration Mm. is something that your leaders can give you. Motivation has to come from you. And so I think that installing that within my team, that they have to come to work motivated, Mm. but it's my job to inspire them to continue that. 
is something that I strive for every day. Um, in, in terms of the team itself, I think one of the things I really, really try to make sure is that everybody feels valued. Um, every single person with this, this company is crucial to the success of the company overall. Mm -hmm. And I want them to, to feel that on a day-to-day basis and not just me telling them, you know, you're valued today. It's, it's the culture. It's, it's when they come to work, they feel like their voice is heard and that they can, they can be successful. Right. That they're contributing to this thing that's bigger than them and that they're getting something out of it. Yes. That's great. Yeah, you you touched on something there, inspiration versus motivation. What so what motivates them? Maybe that's the difference when you keep saying like a certain kind of person to yeah. work at this place. They they have to have that like intrinsic motivation, like it's gotta come. It has to. Yeah. It has you have to have that in you. Um and there's there's different players. You know, if some people might not want to be an owner or a leader of a company, they're happy coming to work and being, you know, given a to-do list and that's how they feel fulfilled and they, they get fulfillment elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But when we are a, a smaller company and we were setting the ground level for these people who will eventually, hopefully also be in leadership positions as we continue to grow, we have to really look at that and, and they have to be, yeah, internally motivated to grow within the company and to show up every day as their best their best self. Right. Which is, so how do you find these kind of people in the hiring process? Cause I mean, it's just, it is a special or certain kind of person who's going to say that that's what they are and then actually be that. Actually, I got some really great advice about this recently and it's helped. Um, well not too recently, I guess, cause we've been hiring, but, um, it's been, so how I do it is you visualize the perfect person Hmm. in your head what they, you know, how they think, how, what their morning routine looks like, how you want them to present themselves down to a T. And then when you're hiring, that person will show up for you. It's almost like you say, for instance, you are looking at buying a yellow car. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're seeing 10,000 yellow cars a day all. And you had never seen a yellow car before. It's you find what you're looking for. If you know what to look for. That's true. I mm-hmm. think. I don't know what it, it, may, it makes sense to me because there is, it sounds crazy to say, but not really is that when you put something out into the universe, like the, I've heard it called manifesting or, or whatever, right? that is very real. And it's, it's scary in some ways because it's a very powerful force that you can tap into. And people might say this is like some woo woo shit, but yeah. <laughs> that's not the case. I think I don't know. I don't really know. I'm not a philosopher, but maybe you could tell me what you think. I think there's also a bit of, you know, if you weren't looking for it, maybe you just didn't see it. Maybe that person had it. And because you didn't recognize that, you know, I want this person to, to, for instance, I I don't know if I ask how you organize your day and they say, I'm a calendar person, or I write it in a journal. Um, you know, and if I'm looking for a calendar person, if they say I'm a calendar person, then all of a sudden you're like, check, you know, Interesting. but if, but if I hadn't thought of that prior, maybe I would just take it and say, yeah, whatever, however you do it is fine. I think maybe that's it is that you're, you're looking deeper. Like you're tapping into things that are, this is like it, the, the universe won't give you exactly what you need, but it'll in some ways make these things appear this, to you. Yes, exactly. But yeah. they could have been appearing all along. Exactly. Yeah. Like there were always 10,000 yellow cars out there. Right. It's just, you saw, you see them now. You see them now. What, Mm -hmm. when you brought that up, a calendar person versus a journal person, what's that all about? (laughs) 
Oh, I'm such a, I'm such a nerd when it comes to organizing my day, but, um, some people write their, you know, write their days down on a piece of paper and some people put them in their, in their calendars. And, and Mm. it's just a bit of a, it's a good tell on where they are with, um, you know, organization. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. It's a question I like to ask actually, because I'm, um, I need, I'm a type of person who I need my calendar with me at all times so that I know exactly (laughs) what my day looks like. Okay. And and I can't be reliant on a, on a book for that. Interesting. But, But some, you know, it's just a personality difference, right? Okay. Well, I use both. That's got me thinking like, but for me, the the journal is more the past. Like I write about the past, like I write about the day as it happened. Oh, okay. Well, that's different. Yeah. That's more of a, I guess when I say journal, I mean like a day timer. Gotcha. Is that an old phrase? (laughs) No, I don't. I could, I mean, the journal is whatever you want it to be. That's, but as long as you're doing it, I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Are there, Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Um, we have, I have, was talking to somebody who said that they don't actually keep track of their day at all. And they just, you know, fly by whatever the day is. And I said, how, (laughs) how did that work for you? What did they say? How does that work for them? They said it just works out. You know, they'll get a text that their doctor's appointment is tomorrow at three and that's okay with them. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, that might work for some folks. Yeah. And fine. Like you can't sit here and judge people's processes i oh, guess of course not yeah. <laughs> who would do that not me yeah. but yeah. what i found is that journaling journaling from the from the perspective of what i did yesterday has really mm. helped improve my life going forward because i can read my life like a story imagine right. imagine reading a year of your life and just looking at all the places you went wrong or went right yeah. that's pretty cool and do you journal um based off of like what you did that day or how you felt about it or, or what, what point of view do you journal from? Yeah, it's, it's definitely what I did. I think that's the structure, but then it is how I was feeling because some days you're not doing much, right? It's like, so then how was I thinking? What was I worried about? What was I proud of or whatever? So it's, it's a neat test to sort of, you've got a page. How do you balance what was important that day? Exactly. And writing it down makes it feel more tangible Yes, and less, less important a little bit, you know, definitely that it, it, you're forced to reckon with it. Like, yes, this happened. Yes, I did this and everybody saw, and I'm embarrassed or whatever, but yeah. then I get it out there. I admit it to the universe and it's, it's over in some ways. There. Yeah. Right yeah. No. So do you do any sort of journaling then as far as that? Yeah. Yeah. I journal, um, on a nightly basis. Nice. Um, but I keep it almost in a, I have a calendar. It is like a paper calendar, but then by day, um, there's like a spot. Mm-hmm. So I just put down, um, yeah, what I did that day, the highlights, the low lights. I try sure. to, um, focus, you know, what I'm really thankful for and grateful for. That's usually what I start with mm. a 10 list of 10 things that I'm, that I'm grateful for. And they always change. It could be anything. I think there was a time when I was had a rough day and I said the pen that I'm writing with, and <laughs> it could, it could be anything. Cause it was a good pen. Right. You know? hey, and good. I couldn't think of 10 things that day. 10 things to be grateful for is a lot though. I think. Yeah. But if you really think, you know, there's lots to be grateful for, you know, electricity, <laughs> anything, right. Right. The- mm-hmm grateful yeah. that I live when I do and where I do and not anywhere yeah. else at any other time. Yeah. Yeah. It just really helps put things into perspective. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's something I could maybe do more of personally, but do you, so you're working from a baseline of gratitude, like you're just happy to be here, so to speak. Yeah. 
Yeah. I really like to start my journaling that way because it, it minimizes the problems Mm. because if I put down what I'm grateful for, say, you know, I'm grateful for my family and my, my dogs, and then it really tells me what's important in my day and Mm. the small stuff becomes less important. Absolutely. And the stuff that's not productive or the stuff that is not helping you, you can just see it as that. It's like, it's not how much of this, how much of this sort of lifestyle stuff, like, like, cause journaling gratitude, all that thing, there's, there's more exercise. You could look at all that sort of self-care stuff. How much of that do you try and instill in the employees or, or build a culture of healthy workers? A lot. Um, we, yeah, we, we're trialing different things. Like we are talking about, you know, maybe doing a four day work week where we work longer hours and, and they have Fridays off. Um, you know, and we really try to get their opinions on things. So we do polls or, um, we also did this really great exercise where you had five categories. It was money, um, your position itself, uh, free time. I think, I can't remember the other ones, but there was um, five categories and then everybody got a pie chart and they had to individually Hmm. fill out the pie chart as to which category was most important to them. And so we, we keep that and we really try and um, instill that. So say if somebody, maybe salary is the least important thing to them, but they want free time, you know, then that employee on a really good, say they hit their targets that week or that month, they get an extra day off Hmm. paid. Right. You know, so, and we really try to cater it to that Mm. specific employee because everybody's different. Some people might be money driven. Some people might be, you know, and that's, Mm. that's perfectly fine, but some people may not see any value in, in a bonus, but they want an extra week's vacation. Right. 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 They want the time over the money. Exactly. And you don't know until you ask. Right. So all these sort of corporate I guess, rules and regulations that are in place over there. Was that something that you helped write or was that, that was kind of in place? Yes. Mm. And so over the year we built our team from, from that to now, I think there's about 10, 10 of us, give or take. Okay. Um, yeah. 14. Mm-hmm. I heard. Oh, maybe there are 14. Oh, are there? Speaking of, yeah. With the other locations and yeah, that's and, what it, yeah for sure. Yeah. <laughs> So then I guess my question, yeah, so you really helped build this company from from teeny tiny to kind of the next step then. Yeah, in terms of the the company um, internal size. So Tammy had run this company on her own because Lux de Jour is six, six and a half. And so she ran it on her own until um, about a year and a half ago. Okay. So yeah. from that point, then she started hiring and then we grew quite significantly in the last year. Okay. Yeah. She mentioned it was basically, she was running it out of her basement you know, as like a, and she called it a lifestyle business. It was just running to support her. And then she she went to this sort of growth and scaling perspective. Right. So you, were you then the first step in that direction of scaling or or an early step? Uh, There were two, there were two people that were hired in marketing and then myself. Okay. Um, and the marketing people worked remotely and then, um, yeah. And then myself. I was the first one who was in office. <laughs> oh, hey, so that's big. That's yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. How long were you the executive assistant before you became the COO? <laughs> Gosh, um, well, I moved into into a product specialist position pretty okay. quickly, right. um, probably within the first month, two months. Mm-hmm. And then from there, um, started just 
it was very organic. So mm. we ended up hiring a product specialist. So then I was now running the product, managing the product specialist and then, um, you know, switching my job description a little bit. And then as we grew and more people, um, joined our team, my job just became kind of, I, I hate to use the word higher than them, but it was, um, they, they reported to me. Um, and so it was very, very gradual. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How did you deal with this position of power? <laughs> had you, had you, had you really had that before? Um, I have run teams before, okay. but I don't really see it that way. Well, like, because at the end of the day there, I need them just as much as they need me. Right. My, my success depends on theirs and theirs depends on, on mine. Sure. So if, if I'm from the top down approach, we would, it would never work. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yet if the team fail, it's your fault, right? <laughs> Yeah, at the end of the day, you know, I do, I do need them, mm-hmm. and I need, I need them to to work their to the best of their ability and to hit our targets, and, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. I'm curious about luxury handbags. As far as like, do, do you feel like you're creating or providing some greater good to the world in this company? And some, like, I know sustainability is a big part of it, but what mm-hmm. is it? What's kind of that like rewarding thing that you see from the customer end of it? Yeah. So from a say specifically for Lux Bag Rental, one of the things that um, we've noticed a lot is that our clients will send us photos of them, say on their wedding day Uh with one of our bags, feeling, you know, like it just added that special touch to their reception dress or um, that, you know, somebody had a first day on the job and the bag gave them almost like a confidence to to walk into that law firm and, and start their first day as a lawyer. Um, so people, people put their, their value into these things and yeah. it, it ends up being a little bit of a, a confidence boost, which I think we all need, you know, especially in this time. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting stuff because the handbag is, is a status symbol, right? Like it's, it, yeah. it's, it says something about somebody, but I'm not sure what it is. Right. It could be anything from, you know, it depends what you perceive it of. It could be that you are a fashionable person sure. and you put a lot of, you know, you love to to dress up and feel good and, mm-hmm. and present yourself a certain way. Or if you see it as a monetary um, value, then you can see it that way. And maybe that's where you get your, your status. Right. Right. <laughs> that's now, is there any value in, in those, do you, post testimonials like that or, or things like like reviews on social? Yeah, 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 we do. And we love, it's one of my favorite parts is when a client messages us and tells us how, how they loved the rental or, and that, you know, it was their first step into the luxury world. Yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot of fun to actually put a face to the, the bag, basically a face to the bag. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And that's what, that's why this business is kind of fascinating to me because you're really leveraging that the power of social media. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a huge audience, there's a market there. You just have to tap into it. Absolutely. And I think it has a lot to do. Marketing is all about emotion yeah. and you have to, you have to create an emotion around what you're selling. We're not, we're not just selling bags. No, you're selling a lifestyle. You're selling a feeling right in some way. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, Everybody's yeah. going to see you and you're going to be yeah, well, because if we were just selling bags, why wouldn't they just go to, right. um, you know, anywhere right. and buy a buy a thirty dollar bag, right. order it off Amazon, right? right. Mm-hmm. There's people that buy these bags to invest. Hey, like they just buy them, oh. and hold on to them. Yep. Yeah. That's wild. They're 
I mean, they appreciate and value so most of them. Um, there's some that say, for instance, Chanel had three now price increases this year. Mm. And so somebody who bought a bag a year ago, their bag is now, you know, upwards of 20% more valuable. Maybe I should buy one. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Then my girlfriend will see it and say, what's that? Don't touch that. That's not yours. Yeah, don't touch it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can't take that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so does the value, the in this is something I don't understand economically is like certain th- commodities appreciate in value. Yeah. But why? <laughs> like, I think a lot of it has to do with the scarcity of the products. Okay. So for instance, Hermes, um, they have a, a general rule where you can only purchase so many handbags out of, from them per year. Mm. And you have to almost build up your, your Hermes credit until you can purchase the highest end bags, the Birkins and the Kellys. And so by the time, if you're buying new, by the time you buy a Birkin, you've probably already spent close to $30,000, $40,000 on other products before you're even offered this bag. And so offered it and you still have to pay for it. It's not. (laughs) Yeah. Right. We would love for you to come buy this bag. Yeah. (laughs) And so for somebody because you have to do all of that, buying it pre-loves is not only less expensive, even if it's um, appreciated in value because mm-hmm. of, of the, you know, the whole process you have to go through. That's mm-hmm. neat. So the value is set by the manufacturer essentially. Yep. Oh yeah. And they, and they can decide, you know, because a lot of the bags are kind of a, a seasonal thing. They, they only come out for one season. Oh. So if, you know, if that's the case, then you can't get that bag again unless you buy it pre-loved. You know, high fashion is never something I've thought about at all until like today. Yeah. <laughs> like, How does a label, do you know how a label gains that sort of status? Is it just through time or like, is that from a bygone era? Like where, where those designers were still alive, you know? Yeah, I think, well, it's definitely not um, rare now. You look at um, say Supreme mm-hmm. as a oh, brand. Yeah, true. They, they can put that, that logo on anything and it increases in value significantly. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with that, the, the brand itself and that stamp. Right. Um, I, in terms of how they get there, I think it's a multitude of things. You can't really pinpoint it down to just one, one person or one thing. Yeah. It's, it's pretty impressive how these brands build themselves up. Yeah. And like, is that, that's over a long period of time, right? Yeah. Like you don't most just become. Of them are, yeah. Most of them do have a history. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, it's funny. It's funny to me because there's, there's this whole economy now of like, we're saying renting or, or sort of having an experience without ownership. Yeah. And you wonder how these legacy brands, these, these long serving brands are going to adjust or maybe they don't have to, because they still have that clientele who, you know, yeah. And, and I guess that's something that they'll have to figure out, right? right? Not your problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, at the end of the day, we were trying to create, you know, this circular fashion and, and really mm-hmm. reusing what's already out there right. in the world instead of um, producing new. And so for, for them to kind of keep up is, is there, that's on them. <laughs> that's on them. That's on them. I, yeah. I, I remember seeing, I think it was Levi's, like a lot of water and resources goes into making a pair of jeans, apparently. Yeah, a lot. 
I don't know, something about Levi's, but I don't know. Like at the same time, that corporate sustainability is kind of a gimmick. I think it's just to advance their brand right? in some ways. But I, I know that you guys at Lux are, sustainability is part of what you're doing, right? Yeah, we, I mean, with reusing the bags that we have are already out in the market, mm-hmm. it definitely prevents the new products being being built because bags are built. Um, right. Yeah. Are these, these super high fashion, like high value handbags, are they, are they still produced in, in China in like in third world countries or are they actually in Europe more? Yeah, they're in, they're in Europe. Um, some of them are, are in the States. Um, they have actual artisans who hand stitch these bags. Um, and they, you know, it takes 10, 15 years to become an artisan for Hermes, for instance. Um, and you can tell actually which artisan created the bags based on the location and the, the codes that are given for them. So they're, they're very specific in it. Yeah. It's somebody's career. Do you have one of these bags with you right now? I don't. Oh, that's okay. No. Tammy had a ton behind her and I should have asked her just yeah. to show. Cause the, I mean, yes, here is a man on a podcast asking questions about purses. <laughs> like, they I mean, it's high quality craftsmanship. Like there's a reason that these it things is. Are, are coveted, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So somebody from your PR side of things, Chantel reached out to me and she presented that I should, I should interview the both of you separately. Right. Which is cool, which is, I've never really done that before. I guess I'm, I, I am curious about building and hiring and managing a team and, mm-hmm. and why does that appeal to you as a person? Hmm. That's a good question. I think it's very rewarding providing somebody with a, with a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also crucial to the success of the business. Um, who we hire is, is who, who runs the company. Right. So I, I really enjoy kind of the art of that. And, hmm. and I really love meeting new people and, and feeling out where, what positions need, what type of person is really interesting to me. So you, yeah, that's, that's the interesting thing is when you get to that higher level, you have to really be a people like someone that can read people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And but were, you, but were you always that? Like, did that always appeal to you? Or is that like an evolution of your career? Um, I think it's always, people have always appealed to me. I really like learning why people do how, what they do and how they do it. Um, in terms of, of hiring people, it's, it's not fairly new to me. Cause I, I have been in management positions before, Okay, but um, really kind of digging in and learning a little bit of the psychology behind it is, is newer to me. Mm-hmm. And as you dig in and learn that psychology, are you, are you more impressed or less impressed by the human being? You know, like, is there a lot to gain or, or is it simple in some ways? Yeah. Um, hiring somebody in a smaller company of about, you know, say 14 people sure. is a lot more crucial than say hiring, um, somebody in, in a, you know, hundred thousand person company, because that person directly impacts the entire company and the culture of the company. Um, you know, if, if somebody's having a bad day here, we all feel it because we we're all (laughs) here, right? There's, there's no hiding it. That's interesting. So it Mm -hmm. it becomes more important who you're bringing in almost. Absolutely. It's, it's so crucial. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So 
So you almost have to be able to read people. It's like you're going on first dates with people all the time in some yeah, ways. And, and we do have a multi-step hiring process now okay. where, where that person goes through multiple people mm-hmm. um, so that we get, we get a good read on them. Cause okay. some people, for instance, um, people actually interview quite differently over zoom than they would over in person Definitely. even. So, yeah. so yeah, so we try and do a little bit of both. Obviously the first screening is over the phone and then usually a video call and then an in-person interview ah, so to neat. really get a good grasp of them. Mm-hmm. It's neat. Like I do a bunch of these podcasts over zoom, but I do do some in person and yeah. some days zoom is very nice because it's, it's a little less intense. And I think the other right. person too is in their comfort zone a bit more. Really? See, I find in person is more comfortable. Really? Yeah. And maybe it's just, um, maybe that's a me thing, <laughs> but I, it's easier for me to, to kind of relate to that person when I'm in person. Definitely. You get, you get a better read on who they are, I yeah. think. But what I found is like, I mean, we're so used now to having these Zoom conversations, but I don't have to make eye contact with you for the entire hour. You know, like I can kind of just, I can kind of just chill on that. I don't know. There it's, it's maybe there's something for sure. There's something lost, but I don't think it's as bad as like some podcasters were saying, Oh, I I never do it over zoom. I just, it's like, well, okay, that's fine. But also it's not as bad as you might think to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also, I mean, it's, it's efficient also at the end of the day, you know, you're in Edmonton, right? Yeah, exactly. And so us being in Calgary, it would be an entire day trip if we were to do this. Not worth it. I can tell you. <laughs> to come you saw my... yourself too short. Well, I, thank you. But <laughs> as far as like, cause I don't have a studio yet. So we'd be, we'd be right. in my living room and it'd be weird. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, I mean, there's more to say there, I think. So there's, but there is a reason you do the video call and then you run this hiring through different sort of phases, right? Like you're mm-hmm. tr- what are you, you're trying to like put a person at ease, I guess, but also you're trying to get them to display themselves fully. Absolutely. Yeah. And people also act differently when say a person from HR is calling them versus the CEO. Right. Um, and so it's very important that all those, those three steps are combined to create the best interview possible. Right. Um, and we, we definitely all collaborate and talk about how each person's experience with that person was mm. so that we, you know, say if somebody said, Oh, they were, they were rude to me, you know, it's never, never happened, but, <laughs> um, but then, you know, say Tammy said, Oh, they were the nicest person I've ever seen. Right. Um, there's, there's obviously a, a an issue there. <laughs> right. Right. They were, yeah. yeah. They didn't like you. That's the problem. They right. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's a, it's a me problem. <laughs> well, they were sucking up to Tammy because she's the CEO. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, um, so you were, you were introduced to Tammy, like through the hiring process, like you didn't know her before or anything like that. Um, I knew her a little bit before okay. because my, um, my previous, um, boss is Tammy's cousin. Oh, okay. Sure. And so I, I didn't know her personally by any means, but I did know of her. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, I mean, it's always who, you know, it helps to know, yeah. <laughs> helps Absolutely. to know people. I mean, oh, it's hundred percent who you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it truly, I mean, we can, in a lot of ways, teach people the skills they need Yeah. if they're willing to learn. And if they're not an asshole, that's yeah. kind of. Willingness to learn is a number one criteria for hmm. being successful in a job. You, if you are not willing to adapt and change what you're doing, then, you know, you're not going to grow. 
you're not going to grow. It is hard though, to have the humility. Like sometimes the ego gets in the way, right? Like just the other, oh, yeah. the other day I was shooting something and a friend of mine said to me, he's like, you've got, you know, you've got a lot to work with, but you don't work with it sometimes. Like, and no one's ever told you that you're fucking up this, this, and this. I was like, <laughs> I could have got real mad and kicked him out. No, but don't you love that? Because how else would you know? Yeah. How else would you know? And it yeah. took balls on his part to say that, I think. A hundred percent. I hope he said it nicely. But no, he said it exactly <laughs> like that. I, but oh. I mean, different, different situation, I guess, than a, a luxury fashion. I mean, it was just, it was just two dudes your buddy on a, yeah on a film set yeah basically but yeah you have to you have to be open to feedback because right. i mean if you i always look at it as if you're the same per if i was the same person i was even a year ago um and i was hired for an executive assistant position why should a company see more value in me if i haven't changed at all right as an executive assistant right they shouldn't yeah they shouldn't because why? you you as an asset are not growing you're not appreciating no, I'm exactly. <laughs> yeah. And let's be frank. When we're talking about business, we use the word human resources for a reason. Like it's human capital. It's like, how are you serving the business? Right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's, and you can't, it's tough to teach that humility and willingness to learn. Right. It is. Yeah. Um, I think I'm not really sure what it comes down to, but you, it's just openness. And, and if you want to grow, you have to be willing to grow. And I don't think change is easy for anybody. Nobody loves change. Mm. Um, but if you, I think it also has to come down to vision as well. If you can see past the, the hurdle, then you'll, you'll be more successful. That's a great point. You, if you can't visualize what it would look like, then you're, it's not going to happen for you, or it's going to, it's not going to, it's going to feel like chaos. Where am I going? What am I doing? Right. Yeah. You can't, you can't live. And this is kind of the opposite of what everyone tells you, but in business, you really can't live in the now you have to mm. live in, in five years from now, mm. because if you, especially in leadership positions, like I, we have tracks of growth for every single one of our employees. And if they can't see where they can be in one year and five years, then why would they, why would they work any harder than they are now? Right. right. right? Why should yeah. I, why should I care? Yeah, exactly. Because the business, I guess that's good because then you're, you as the business owner operators are, are investing back in these people, right? Of course. Yeah. And you're showing them that that's interesting. That's probably pretty fundamental to any, you, I mean, yes, it is cold, hard capitalism. We're, we're here making money for sure, but we're trying to give some value back to the laborer, the laborer, right? Exactly. And we, we don't want our, our employees to be the same person that they were when we hired them. Right. That's, that's not the goal. We want them to be, be promoted and, and within leadership positions, you know, sooner rather than later, if that's of course, what fulfills them and, and they want that we're not, yeah, yeah. we're, we're not here to put, <laughs> put people in management positions that don't want to be. Well, yeah, I'm, that, that could be a real problem. Yeah. It's not, it's not good for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> what is the, I mean, what is that that you look for in a person who could be a manager? Like, what do you see? Cause you probably know it right away. Right. Yeah. I think, um, it is that vision that, mm. that ability to, to buy in. Um, because when we, when we talk about our plans for the company, some of them are pretty far-fetched and, and they, you know, if <laughs> good, right. Like they, they're exorbitant and 
for (laughs) somebody to, to buy into that, they have to have that mentality. Otherwise they're sitting there like, you know, Oh, we're not, we're not going to get there. But if you look at where, where Tammy started, we, we have achieved everything she wanted to so far. So, you know, the track record speaks for itself. That's pretty crazy when it's like, we have big vision, but also we've, we look where we are now. Yeah, exactly. Look at the growth. (laughs) What is it that drives Tammy? Do you think? I mean, I have an idea talking to her, but maybe what's your idea? Well, I, I just, I mean, the way she told it, it was like, she grew up in a, in a, in a sort of setting where there was not a huge amount of like maybe positive, um, reinforcement. And it was a lot of, you need to, you need to be better. You need to be great. You need to be like your cousins. You need to, yeah. and why aren't you, why aren't you, you never will. And so it drove her to just go as hard as to go hard as hell basically and, and make herself into somebody that everybody would say, wow, look at that. Yeah. And not yeah. in a bad way. It was just, she was so driven. No, you're proving them wrong. But, and proving them wrong. And I don't yeah. think she would disagree with what I just said, although maybe she would, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think, I think that that's pretty spot on. Like she is, um, she is a, a dreamer at the end of the day and she has these visions and, but she also has action plans for every single dream she has. And that's important, you know, and, and she follows through and, and I think that, yeah, that might stem from feeling like, you know, oh, somebody told me I can't do something and I need to do it. And, but you know, that's a, that's a great motivator if you take it that way, because some people might say, oh, I can't do it because that person told me I can't. Right. So that, that to me is interesting because there must've been something inside her that, that, that she was born with. That was like, Oh yeah. Because you're right. Someone could hear all that and be right. Well, they're right. I actually can't be anything. I I'm a loser. Right. Yeah. Or if somebody said, you know, there's no money in handbags (laughs) and she'd be like, okay. And yeah. Oh, darn. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So then what, what do you see? I mean, what, what, what keeps you coming back to work for her and with her? For me, it's, it has a lot to do with personal growth. Mm. I am always, always trying to better myself. And, and maybe that sounds a little bit selfish, but if I, I see it as a way of, of learning and, and just really bettering my business sense and my, my leadership skills and my personal kind of, I like to see every person as their own brand. Mm. And, and if you're, you need a bunch of things to, to make a brand successful and not all of that can come from internal. And so I really love to, to learn from Tammy and learn from the company and the people around me. Um, you know, we, I learn from, from everybody on a daily basis. Mm. So that's what really drives me. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she, she provides to you that opportunity to, to keep getting Absolutely. better. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I just saw something about building a personal brand and it's like, truly everybody should do that. Like, it sounds ridiculous. I mean, if well, you kind of do, right? Your, you your reputation is your brand. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's the same thing. That's a good point. Everybody does build a, a brand. Yeah. I mean, you might be a cop or you might be a doctor or something where it's like, it's not really imp- like your, per- your public perception is not, but if you're in business or you're in as a creator or an artist, mm-hmm. you have to sell yourself and not in a negative way. You have to impress upon the world why you are or how you're different. 
Absolutely. And I might even um, disagree with you a little bit there because with being a cop, for instance, if you want to be promoted within the, within the service, you have to exude a type of, of persona and your bosses have to see you as a valuable person, which at the end of the day, you're, is still your reputation and your brand. If you, if you are a, even a, somebody who just punches a clock, goes to work, comes mm-hmm. home, that's their brand. That's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> I guess I was thinking about building a personal brand on social media specifically. Right. But, oh yeah. But mm-hmm. when, but you make a great point and probably a better point. Maybe you should host the show. <laughs> it's like people have to take ownership of what it is they're putting out in the world. And I mean, we're Absolutely. all guilty of being clueless of it sometimes, but you make an yeah. impression everywhere you go. You can't forget that especially in these days, um, you know, your personal social media is also a reflection. And, and if you think employers don't look at your Instagram before they hire you, you're mistaken. <laughs> so, yeah, but so every single thing that you put on the internet or, or, um, word of mouth, for instance, you know, I've heard people build their entire businesses off word of mouth alone. And if that, if that word is negative, you don't have a business. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right? That's a little now, but is there a problem in your mind? As somebody who hires people, you go trolling through their Facebook posts from 10 years ago? No, not 10 years ago, okay. but I definitely do look into, um, into their social media. Okay. Yeah. How deeply do you, like, what are you looking for really? Um, I look for anything that could be, um, I guess, problematic. You know, at the end of the day, anybody can, because we are such a small company, um, LinkedIn is also a great tool. Um, and I, I guess LinkedIn can be considered social media as well. Right. Um, but it's, it's really important to know, um, who, who you're hiring because even being a small company and if somebody attaches their LinkedIn profile to your company, that person represents your company. Hmm. Because everybody else can see that they work there. So if they're somebody who is, you know, putting out horrible messaging or, or things that don't align with your brand right. per se, yep. then um, that, that could negatively impact you. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I see that now. Like, because Tammy talked about this concept of cash versus cost centers. But right. you, you could look at whoever you're bringing on as being like a value add or a value detractor in some ways, right? Yeah. And yeah. they may bring a lot of good stuff, but if they're a mouthpiece on social media, right? No, that's not helping. Yeah. And it, it also depends on the position, I guess. Um, but you know, I'm all for people having opinions, of course I want, sure. you know, and, and freedom of speech. Right. Um, but if it's, if it's something that's concerning that we, we worry that might harm our, our particular company, mm-hmm. then that, that is a concern. Mm-hmm. So what is kind of the, 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 I guess the personality of, of like, who are the people that you're looking to bring on? Like, what is kind of that personality? Yeah, so, um, hmm. the first thing we always say is that we want people to act as if their position is their company. Hmm. So, um, really to take ownership, um, feedback is number, number one. Um, I think the ability, ability to adapt is huge. Mm-hmm. We change all the time. Um, meeting to meeting, we are, we are doing something different (laughs) and you have to be able to roll with that. Right. So I usually ask questions like, um, when was the last time that you had a great idea that, um, wasn't put 
into action? Or when was the last time that one of your bosses um, shut down an idea and how did you react? Or because it's a good tell of how somebody adapts to change. Um, yeah. You know, especially in in leadership positions, there's, I mean, we pitch ideas here all the time that don't, that don't necessarily pan out or the logistics don't work out. Sure. Um, and if you take that personally, it's, it's a bit tough. Yeah. Okay. So that's interesting. You're putting forth, you want these people to take ownership of their position and, and of their role yeah. in the company, but also to also in some way distance themselves from it too. It's like, like, there's this thing where it's like you want to separate yourself from an idea and be able to see the idea as the idea and you as you. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But still be able to like, no, there's no bad ideas. It's just do, oh. do they work well? Okay. <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> there might've been some, sure. um, but we we're always open ears. It's just do the logistics work for Lux gotcha. du jour. I got you. Yeah. As, yeah. As far as, Somebody taking it upon themselves to contribute an idea to the business is not a bad idea. It might not work. Absolutely not. Right. You can't yeah. you can't stifle that that sort of yeah. creativity. And there's there's been some ideas that, you know, um our executive assistants have pitched and they've been excellent, huge, hard-hitting ideas that mm -hmm. we've ran with. And then there's been some that, you know, myself has pitched that have been, you know, squashed at the table and said, <laughs> absolutely no way. Okay. Right. Squash at the table. Yeah. That's always a good feeling, huh? Yeah. When they look <laughs> around and go, that's, well. that's how it goes, right? It has to. And, it has to. And some people, you know, they bring different life experiences to the table. And so they different have different viewpoints. For sure. And that's that's what you want, for sure. Oh, yeah. You can't hire a bunch of the same people. What a nightmare no, that would be. That would be, <laughs> be a cult. It wouldn't be a company. It would be a cult. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oops, we built a cult. Yeah, well, whoops. That was not the plan, yeah. but. Take it, I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> so are you in the same office building? Like you're next door yep. to Tammy? Yeah. Yep. Yep. She's just over there. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. that's a beautiful, so you guys don't have like a showroom per se. There's no need for that. It's, it's just. No, just because we have, like we do take viewings and people can book appointments with us to view bags. Okay. Um, but because of the, the bags themselves and, and not, we don't want them handled too much and, and things it um it doesn't make sense for us to have almost like a storefront gotcha yeah it's and these days i mean come on <laughs> no yeah we've it was all online until about you know a year ago so it, it's the perfect business for the day i suppose where there's restrictions on who you know who we can see and where we can go right but at least you can go in style yeah <laughs> right. exactly yeah wherever you're going you can go mm -hmm. in style that's right <laughs> do you yeah never mind um, <laughs> I guess I, I did want to touch a little bit. I did talk to Tammy, but like the content side of your marketing and you have yeah. an in-house content person or team. It's a couple people. We have, a, we have, um, a couple people who, who are in charge of content. Okay. Um, we have a marketing, um, director who is unbelievable. Nice. And, um, but in terms of, yeah, like I, I saw that you're really into videography. So we do, we work with a couple of local photographers and videographers to nice. take our content. Um, but yeah, it's, it's ever changing. We're, it's on a weekly basis that we're taking new content because it's, yeah. Well, it's, that's the mission. <laughs> yeah. You have to be creating content pretty much hourly, oh. you know, daily at least. Yeah. I, I, I applaud you guys for taking on an in-house person because I've done 
as a videographer, I've done contract content creation for, for small businesses. And it's like, this is useless. This is helping nobody because I don't know anything about your business beyond what you told me on the phone. Exactly. To have that person embedded in there, who's hands on the business, who lives the business. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that create the content. You know, it has to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And it also comes down to consistency as well within a brand. Like we want, um, for instance, if, if anything was posted, we need it to be in line with our brand. And so to have multiple people touching that it, because everybody has their own stylistic, um, ways. And so to have one consistent person be in charge of that is, is really helpful. Yeah. Have there Mm -hmm. ever been times where the content creation sort of takes over the, the life of the business? Have you ever felt that? No, I think our marketing team does such a good job with keeping us all on brand. Okay. Um, and we, we make sure that everybody has a really clear vision of what we need. Okay. Um, that no, I don't feel like it has taken over. That's good. Yeah. And that's part of that is because you're all of the same team, right? Like, Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. I just got done shooting some video for, for a company and I was subcontracted by an agency. This is the agency's client. And I, the amount of emails and the amount of script revisions I'm like, and people from the client, people were acting in the video. It's like, we have taken over these people's lives for this. Right. For this. I don't know if that's a bad thing, but it's like, I really struggle when I feel like my video and my presence in the company is a, a burden because it shouldn't be. Right. But, yeah. you know, you guys, again, I think that's the solution is, is to just have in-house people. Yeah. And it's it's also easier to give um, feedback as well, because there has been content that, you know, is created that maybe we need tweaks on. And, right. and to have somebody right down, you know, right across from my office to just be like, hey, can we actually say it this way? Or can we take this photo at this angle? Right. Um, it's super helpful instead of, you know, having to bring, say, for instance, yourself back in, right. schedule a whole day out, rent a studio if need be. Nightmare. Yeah. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it's interesting too, because your business relies on that content, right? Like so much Absolutely. because it's, it's the whole thing is a, is a visual thing, right? It, it, yep. Beauty, appealing to women's sense of beauty. Mm-hmm. If you didn't need regular content, you could see why you wouldn't need a marketing team. But I, I just, everybody needs a marketing team these days, truly. Oh, a hundred percent. And marketing does so much more than just content here. Um, okay. You know, they take over everything from, from advertisements to expansions to, hmm. you know, it's, it's really important that they, they have their hands on absolutely everything. Right. That's a good point. Marketing is not just advertising. It's marketing right yeah, like looking it's branding it's right it's creating an, a, an emotional attachment to the brand for for everybody mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like when when people see lux de Jour, we want them to feel a certain way right. and it's our marketing team to make sure that they do shouts out to the marketing team for killing it over there yeah. oh they are yeah <laughs> <laughs> well jill thanks a lot for your time and for providing some really great insight i think on on HR, so to speak, and business, sort of internal business stuff. This was great. Oh, awesome. Well, I hope it was interesting and not, <laughs> I didn't bore you. No, I, <laughs> you didn't bore me at all. I, I'm fascinated by it, truly. There's something about business when you when you realize that it is people at the end of the day. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. like there's, there's not, sometimes people make it a mystery, but mm-hmm. I think the more you, the more insight I can get, the more I see it's just, 
it's just people interacting. It's just people. You said something really great and it, it oh, cut. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> you said something about, you were talking about Jeff Bezos going home and putting his shoes on. Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. I don't he think said he does. No. <laughs> I think somebody puts his shoes on for him. Yeah. Well, maybe, but you know, at the end of the day, he's still just a person. It's true. And, and so is everybody who walks in, walks in our door. So beautiful. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jill. I guess I'll get you to just restate. Tammy kind of did, but if, if I'm looking to rent a handbag, I'm not, but if I was, where, where would I go and how would I get in touch? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's a www.luxbagrental.ca. Um, you can find us on Instagram as well for Lux Bag Rental. And um, you create an account, you get approved, and then you can rent. Super easy. And then yeah. you're the coolest person in the eyes of everybody at the law firm. It's great. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate you putting up with me and forgiving your time. This was a, a lot of fun and learned a lot. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening, folks, to the double header. Thank you for listening to the North Bank Media Podcast. Please subscribe on your platform of choice and give us a five-star review. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at North Bank Media Podcast for highlights from past conversations and to be notified of upcoming episodes.